Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 2, Episode 10. This sun is a mass of ineffable ass. The book, The Crystal Star, by Vonda McIntyre. The year, 1994. With your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go! This would be great if Danzig was in charge of the Empire Reborn. I got a yub now for you. He's a big pile of dicks covered in gold. The Patriarch. Set my jackhammer to kill. Welcome to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars Expanded Universe novel discussion podcast. There's a lot of modifiers on this podcast. Yeah, but that was all correct, wasn't it? I mean, it's all correct. I didn't get any, I didn't get anything out of order there. I didn't call us the Star Wars podcast discussion podcast. <laughs> no, no, we we got it on this one. I got it right. It was all correct. This was like the fifth take. I think the first time I called us the Star Wars discussion podcast novel. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't that wasn't going to fly. Which I am working on, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we're going to write a novel about our experience reviewing two other books. Yeah, Expounded Universe, the novel, the podcast, <laughs> the game. Yeah, we'll be on the AV Club before you know it. We'll just add like a serial killer to it, and then we'll have a million listeners. Yeah, all we need is just a hook, just a good hook. Well, no, it's it's all. If you want your podcast to have a billion listeners, you either are whatever the fuck happened are, at Cumtown. <laughs> you either have talent or some dumb bullshit hook. Well, the big one is uh, this is a long form story about a serial killer. Yeah, man. Do we know a because a small town racked by serial killings? That small town, Manhattan, New York. <laughs> that killer, a rich guy, money. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what that, I don't, well, the, this I is, don't know what that bit was. No, nah, I don't know. You don't listen to a podcast, so you're not going to follow along on, on the various... Well, even even the podcasts I would listen to aren't those. You're not going to listen to, for example, Come Town? No. Why would I listen to anything called Come Town? So Come Town is a spinoff podcast from a podcast of a bunch of guys who do like political commentary. Yeah. It's, uh, they're young, they're angry, they say come a lot, and they're very liberal. Great. Uh, I think. I don't know. I haven't listened to it either. I just know that within about a month, they were a thousand million trillion times bigger than any other podcaster you've ever heard of. <laughs> Something happened. I think yeah. it's just like they're YouTube type guys. They were like, because, you know, as big as we are as a podcast, if we were on YouTube, you see that fucking Logan Paul shit where it's like, what's this guy do? I don't know. He just yells a lot and lives in a rich suburban neighborhood and electrocutes dead rats. How much money does he make? Oh, fucking tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> That's it. If you, if you just act like the weird kid in your neighborhood, that if it was real life, you'd never go near him, you can make money on YouTube. It's the weirdest place. I don't understand it. I intend to protect my daughter from it vigorously. <laughs> Good. So anyway, uh, this is the discussion podcast about old Star Wars books. Uh, in, in this case, the book is Vonda McIntyre's The Crystal Star. We are doing chapter 10 today. Yeah, we're uh, we're really plowing through this at a good clip. We're almost done now. Yeah, we're coming down the uh, the end of the pipeline. Yeah, we're at, we're at the point where we start going as fast as we can because we know we're almost to the end, <laughs> guys. So anyway, thanks, guys. So you know what we mean. So thanks. So <laughs> yeah, this it's is a the fucking joke. This is the part of the podcast where I start desperately thinking about baseball. <laughs> Welcome to Come Town. <laughs> Welcome to Don't Come Town. <laughs> The podcast you listen to not to come when you're having sex. Oh, man. So, John, how about uh, how about the Supreme Court, huh? Uh, how about that? Imagine the Supreme Court picking up cherries with their butts. <laughs> you ever think about just your grandpa's balls? <laughs> Big, like, a, like just enough there to make, like, four wallets worth of skin. Like, pretty much you could use that for a bola. Like, you could go out hunting for a jaguar with that thing. <laughs> you could take your grandpa's balls and take an imprint off the Sunday paper. <laughs> Your grandpa's balls. <laughs> Buy them today. <laughs> Buy whammo. <laughs> Guys, go to our merch store. We've got new grandpa's balls in stock. In six colors and available as fidget spinners. <laughs> we had to add an extra ball, but that's just something we did for you. <laughs> the Don't Come Pod Come Town Podcast. Don't, don't Come Town. Don't Come Town is a great idea for a podcast. I love that. <laughs> All right, so chapter 10. Where, where do we leave off in chapter 9? Oh, okay. So chapter nine, uh, we had just finished up with uh, the information broker that is mostly tentacles and eyes and glass. Yes, the indexer, as he was known, had just given them a little bit of useful information that something slavey happening is happening on sh uh, Asylum Station. I. It is so awful to me that that's... I mean, not only did we last episode cover the whole 
don't don't give it a new name. You've got three chapters left. Just cool your fucking jets on that. <laughs> you don't need to come up with a new surprise name for Cersei Station. Especially when the immediate following chapter tells you that it is Cersei Station. Yeah, there's no surprise to it. It's just, oh, these aliens call it Asylum Station. Why? Okay. Fucking why? Why would you even put that in your book? But in addition to that, the whole like, oh man... Asylum Station thinks that they might be outdoing me, like, in the slave trade. And I guess that's enough for Leia and Riau to be like, that's our next clue. Okay, uh, Asylum Station. Well, Asylum Asylum Station was highlighted in purple where the rest of the text was (laughs) green. Asylums are where they keep crazy people. People. The president is a person. Our next clue is at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. (laughs) Thank you, Batman from the 60s. (laughs) So... It, basically, they decide to rush off towards Asylum Station. Uh, let's see. In our last chapter, Han was still fuming over his inability to just tell Luke he isn't sticking his dick in Zaveri. Yeah. Uh, and also, the kids were running on a madcap adventure through a, a fun magic swamp. Yeah, they were all hiding out inside of a hollow tree at the moment. Yes. So, we begin our new chapter with Leia once again using her miraculous dark side hyperspace judging power to suddenly pull the ship out of hyperspace. It's strange to me that she can pull the ship out of hyperspace and it is immediately where she needs to be. It's not like, oh, I sensed my children out in the darkness somewhere, stop the ship, turn around, point myself in a new direction and go after it. Mm -hmm. It was just like, I hit the stop button and I happened to be where I needed to be. Well, yeah, you know, the Worldcraft was exactly, it's got a name too. It's called like uh, the the Empire Reborn or something like that. Uh, But the Worldcraft is just on the way. I mean, it's straight up in a straight line between Chalcedon and uh, Cersei Station. It's just right there. That's where you keep it. Well, I mean, that's what happens in two points and in infinite degrees of space. Eventually, you'll just be plot in between them. (laughs) That's the way it works. Yeah. So look. she so she suddenly wrenches the ship out of hyperspace, which causes Riao to do Riao's only move, which is to grip Leia too hard by the shoulder. Yeah. I think it's happened like six times already, where she just gets her by the shoulder and squeezes till Leia's got red crescent marks in her skin. Is this the Ferrari version of pulling a pigtail? You think Riao's just like into Leia and keeps <laughs> doing that move? <laughs> just like... Oh, I stopped short. Ooh, ooh, ooh. oh. Copping a shoulder feel. <laughs> oh, no, I accidentally got a taped up bosom. <laughs> like, I I wonder, because I guess the Ferrari heal faster. They do heal faster. They are taller, lither, more attractive. They have gold skin that scars in pretty silver tones. But They have three-color hair. But what I'm saying is, if they heal faster than, like, scratching them with your nails and actually, like, cutting them, but then they would immediately heal... That could be like a playful thing oh, yeah, for maybe it's a just, race that heals. It's just normal for them, yeah. yeah like their like, BDSM is straight up cutting each other in half. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. it, it is straight up the Dewey Cox story when it's uh, the Ferrari <laughs> doing it. I mean, to be fair, considering their BDSM is not all that hard to do, since we found Riao in like a cut-you-apart torture machine. And has apparently been there for years. According to this chapter, she had been in that cut-you-down torture machine for five years. Yeah, I don't... Who... Who was feeding her? Oh, it was... Uh, Who was phone? What did we name him? Franklin? He just wakes up from time to time and feeds her. Don't worry about it. Yeah, The one sure. Ferrario. That so, one guy. So uh, anyway, they, they pull out of hyperspace, and wouldn't you know it, right in front of them, as they're all yelling and shouting at Leia for being crazy, is the Worldcraft. And uh, one of the cool things here, an immediate confirmation for us, is that they've been burying the lead on this whole we can build an artificial planet thing. Who gives a fuck? That's a rock with an artificial atmosphere generator and some gravity. That's just a spaceship with the people on the outside. I am not impressed. What they can build is a fucking tiny sun. Yeah. Well, that was what I was saying when we got into the chapters before this, when they were talking about, you know, the kids go outside and the sun moves. Mm -hmm. I was like, is that an actual sun or are we fucking just Truman showing this? No, they built a real tiny sun. Yeah, which we're going to get to this later in the chapter, but I've got questions about this tiny sun that I will get to. Okay, sure. You can come to them later. I'm so curious about it. I have a lot of discussion points to make as well. But sure enough, they come out, I guess, close enough to see a little tiny planet and its little tiny sun and the little prince atop it. Yeah, and there's a little flower. and. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm still very curious about the physics of how this thing is visible in space. I'm curious about... 
really the size of it. Yeah, we don't get that answer in numbers. Because in much the same way that they get that super coincidental, we just dropped out of hyperspace right next to where this planet ship is. Mm -hmm. Once they actually go down to the planet, they find those kids real fucking quick. Oh, yeah, like immediately. So, okay, they see the planet in space, and Leia immediately just dive bombs straight at it. Uh, When they get down there, they see the first thing they find is uh, a big desert, and then next to that, a swamp full of terrified, dying children. The Proctors. Yeah. They find the Proctors. No, no, not the helpers, just the Proctors. And uh, they're all, like, trapped in mud and flailing and and yelling at each other. I like that from a spaceship flying over, like, a overgrown swamp, Mm -hmm. she can tell, oh, well, it looks like these guys just got caught midway across up in the mud. I'm like... How do you know? But, How do you know like, they didn't just wait out there? Yeah, they're weird aliens. You don't know. You don't know what they're doing. Well, yeah, it's just like, oh, it looks like they just fell in at the middle of this mud pond. And you're like, why? And, How? You know, Riao, who's the Luke of this team, is like, no, that's an art project. Open up the window. I'm going to throw them a coin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they see them out there fighting for their lives, and Leia's immediate reaction, I'm sorry, Lalila's immediate reaction is to go, oh, we better help those kids. And Riao's like, no, fuck them. Oh, fuck those guys. Fuck, fuck those kids. If they if they don't keep fighting with each other, they'll survive. Yeah, if these if these kids like stop panicking for 5 seconds, they'll survive. Oh, well, I'm I'm great I'm grateful that you have that amount of confidence in children. Yeah, well, hey, they're not children. These are like teenagers. <laughs> That's even worse. If these teenagers, if these teenagers just... stop bickering for five seconds, well, you don't know teenagers. Then. Yeah, those teenagers are doomed. <laughs> those are already dead. They do not know it. <laughs> they have been fist of the North starred. So, <laughs> but then they spot the uh, the actual kids that matter the uh, the slave kids and, Le- and and Jason and Jaina. Yeah, there's a someone is hanging out on a branch. Well, they're on not this just tree. on a branch. They said it's a branch with a flat top as wide as a garden path. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so. Yeah, you've got that guile haircut. Hell yeah. Got that flat top as wide as a garden path. Hell yeah. I got my own gnome up there. (laughs) Sonic boom. Uh, But they find these kids out on this tree, and there's like 30 or 40 of these kids out on this branch, and then they they don't land the ship there. They just pull it up adjacent. Yeah. There's no point where they're like, oh yeah, we had to like get a plank. They just sort of hover next to the tree. Yeah. I don't know what... That's some fancy flying. I yeah well you know hey and it's fucking Chewbacca doing it yeah Chewbacca finally getting a hold of the controls is like all right fine you need to hold a ship steady while you rescue people I'll do that if you need to fly a ship around like a big jackass you can take the controls no back. Chewbacca don't fly the ship I'll do both uh. Uh, I'll just fly the ship with my foot it's fine I'll lean out the back and fly the ship with my foot you lie down <laughs> yeah oh I got, I got Chewbacca up on the chair again and I had to shoo him off. <laughs> You're going to get hair all over it. Down. Just down. encourages him into the bathroom and puts up one of those dog doors. <laughs> no. There we, there we go. No. Stayed, come on. I, I saw him <laughs> reaching for the controls, so I had to get the spray bottle out. Hey, <laughs> hey. In my home world, I was a duke. <laughs> I don't know what you just said, Chewbacca, but I assume it was, boy, you sure are pretty, Leia, and I am. <laughs> no, I'm boring, Chewbacca. Thanks for asking, though. I have regular brown hair. <laughs> I was, I was, I was trying was... to tell you about the hypermatter engine and it just all right whatever <laughs> hey while you're sniffing around down there could you see if you can find my barrette <laughs> <laughs> oh no wonder we're malfunctioning there appears to be all manner of barrettes and sticky <laughs> balls down here on cashier I, w- I would have killed you in an honor duel decades ago <laughs> <laughs> No, I used all the black and silver ones on you. Oh, God. I uh, hate this entirely. <laughs> <laughs> I matriculated at Space Chote. <laughs> anyway, the kids all start piling on board. Uh, because Jason and Jaina think of Leia as mom, they just call her mom. Yeah, uh, which is fine. Yeah, and, but then they see Chewbacca and they yell, Mr. Chewbacca! Oh, Mr. Chewbacca. And they run to go sit in his lap and give him hugs and kisses. Yay. Uh, so Chewbacca gets his due reverence from from the kids, the only people in the world who treat him fairly. Yep. Uh, and uh, weirdly, they call him Mr. Chewbacca right in front of Riau, who doesn't get it yet. No, I... I am weirded out by the fact that we're going to find out, spoiler alert, I guess, that Riau worked for Vader. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was uh, one of she was Vader's uh, one of her. Blech, why can't I talk? He was one of Vader's two apprentices. She yeah. she was yeah. she was good job. One of Vader's two apprentices. English. Heth Rear was the one who was the other apprentice of Lord Vader. <laughs> but, I'm going to calm down. <laughs> the weird thing is, random McFuckface in this Ferrari uh, ship is like, oh yeah. You've given me nothing to go on, but I know that you are Leia and that that's Chewbacca. I know what's going on. I am fully informed. And someone who was like the right-hand woman of the second most powerful person in the Empire and should probably have some sort of ability to know what the fuck is going on. Is I like, mean, she should have seen those wanted posters, right? Yeah. Like the wanted posters alone would have been like, this is Princess Leia. We want to kill her. We killed a planet just to make her angry once. Yeah, that's how much we hate Princess Leia. But she doesn't somehow get it, and even when kids are yelling, Mr. Chewbacca, Mr. Chewbacca, to a Wookiee, she's not like, oh, that's the most famous Wookiee of all time. The one on all the wanted posters. Oh, it couldn't be. This one is brindled. Yeah, he's the one who won the best sidekick medal <laughs> at the uh, the sidekick awards that were held three hours before the actual awards at the end of A New Hope and not televised. Oh, yeah, that's why he doesn't have that medal when they do the regular award ceremony, because that's not for him. No, no, two hours earlier, Brian Dennehy hosted a dinner, and he was like, yep, it's important for us to celebrate the people who are uh, kind of the secondary, the ones who keep the wheels running. The, it, the real the, backbone of the industry. Yeah, the, the rebels you don't hear the names of, but you definitely come to a appreciate their accomplishments here at the sidekick awards <laughs> and now uh, to present the medal for uh, most ex- important usage of uh, assistance in the assault on the first death star it's uh, gonk it's g- gonk gonk <laughs> gonk gonk r2d2 luke skywalker ship gonk <laughs> r5d4 wedge antilles ship gonk chewbacca the millennium falcon Gonk. Val Kilmer, Sultan Sea. <laughs> uh, poor Chewbacca didn't have a medal in that ceremony because not only was the ceremony not for him, but he lost to R2-D2 in the sidekick awards. He's like, I can't even win here. R2-D2 has the medal just hidden away in some compartment. Yeah. I mean, the question at that point becomes, why is Chewbacca even standing there in the real award ceremony? Oh, he's he's an emotional support Wookiee. He's a service dog. Yeah, he's... <laughs> That that sash he normally has on says, "I'm working. Please don't pet me." Yeah, that's it. Just says that in Orabesh down the front, but no one, no one from Earth can read that. So we're all just like, "Oh, it's just a baldric. It must be something ceremonial." But no, it's a harness so that he can guide it's Han so Solo pe- around. So people know that when Han Solo gets onto an airplane, he can sit with his Chewbacca. Yeah, the Chewbacca is going to lie down quietly in the aisle. No one needs to complain about it. <laughs> Uh, that went places. Poor Chewbacca. Anyway, they rescue the kids. The kids, the, all the kids, pile on board the Alderaan. All the you know the the kids that are still slave kids, and then like fucking Falcor, the Alderaan chases the Proctors all the way across the desert and back to Hethrier's house. Well, they have to save the Proctors from the mud first, mm-hmm. but all they do is like drop a rope down. They grab onto it, and then they just sort of fly off and drag him out of the mud. They don't <laughs> yeah. let him get onto the ship. And They're then, like, all right, here, you get dragged off, and then we are just going to chase you into the yeah. ship. Chewbacca herds them like cattle all the way back to Hethrier's, like ranch. Yeah, with, get with, on now! <laughs> and, and the dragon shows up and helps. Yeah. And by the time they get there, they're like all too tired to run, and their feet are all blistered and shitty, and they're like, well... We did it. We chased you here, you wounded, half-starved, drowning children. <laughs> you ah, bad guys. Finally. And uh, Leia starts, I guess, interrogating them? Yeah. Like the lead one. She's like, who the hell are you? And they're like, we are the Proctors of the Empire Reborn. Oh, Empire Reborn? That's fucking stupid. That's, You're an idiot, that's, and you should shut up. And he's like, the Empire Reborn! And she just kind of laughs at him. And he's like, "Ah, oh no. Aww. And then she makes a big show of stripping all of their medals off. To yeah. give out as gifts and decorations to the good children. Good. I don't see the good the children wanting that. You know, like, oh, I've been starving and eating rotten soup for weeks, but yay, I got a little medal that said I'm good at sweeping. <laughs> well, you and know, I know that it's not even me that's good at sweeping. It's that guy. That's that's what happened, you know, when the uh, the Russians came into the concentration camps. They were like, 
here you go. Here's some iron crosses to play with from the Nazis. That'll make you happy. Oh, gosh. I mean, eventually, because they'll be worth something someday. But I don't feel like these will be. Because this is a pretty shitty tin pot rebellion. Oh, yeah. You're getting, like, the epaulets off of some teenager. Yeah. Like, oh, boy. I basically got the fucking hat from a guy that works at Hot Dog on a Stick. That is essentially the level of worth I've got. This is like suing a neo-Nazi for attacking you and winning his collection of screwdriver shirts. <laughs> I don't want I'm imagining shirts that just have the drink on them. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. It's that racist punk band. Oh, I know. But I like <laughs> to imagine he's just a, a vodka and orange juice aficionado as well as a horrible racist. <laughs> it's just a long description explaining the difference between Phillips and Flathead. <laughs> uh, anyway, she interviews the kids for a while and then eventually herds them off into the rooms where the, where the, the uh, slave children had been and locks them all in there. Uh, and then she heads off to the kitchen to start preparing food for all the kids. Uh, and she passes Drake the Viewbug. Or Drake, excuse me. Drake the Viewbug. <laughs> Drake the Viewbug, <laughs> who used to call me on my cell phone. <laughs> she hey, passes, I knew a Drake song. She Good passes for me. Drake and Mace and Wale. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, she passes Drake, or Greg the Viewbook. You've got it in my head now, John. Fuck I you. know. I'm in your mind. Mm. <laughs> and Greg is carrying a huge pot of rancid oatmeal to the proctors, because she has already switched sides. Yeah, it's that it's the nasty soup that they normally give to the kids, but she's like, oh, let's see how the proctors fucking like it then. Yeah, fuck them. And Leia's like, don't bring that to them. Bring them real food. And she's like, but I okay, if you want. And then she's like, why were you feel, feeding that horrible swill to my children? Well, I, 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 and Greg's like, I had to. Why? Because I am a slave. And at this point, Leia finally puts it together that her kids have been slaves. So, you know, this guy probably had some slaves. I, okay. The interaction between the two of them where she's like, uh, how dare you feed this to my children? Like, oh, I, I didn't really have a choice. Of course you did. Uh, no, I'm a slave. Also, even if I wasn't a slave... I'm pretty sure Hethrier would fucking chop me in half. Yeah. I mean, the dude running this place has a lightsaber and knows how to use it. Uh, like, you've been chasing after a a dark side user who steals children. Are you really going to be like, oh, yeah, person who works in the kitchen? You could have been nicer. Yeah, you could have made them some albondigas. And she's like, no, I, that, that's not how this works. My material list was provided by this evil dude who was very evil. Yeah. And quite yelly and definitely had a lightsaber. Uh, I, I'm sorry that you seem to think that I had autonomy here, but I did not. I, I was not the one writing up the fucking lunch list for the day. This is, um, what, the fourth time in this book where someone explains their cultural differences to Leia, a diplomat, and it takes her a good five minutes to get it? Well, also the whole fact that, oh, we've been chasing someone who takes children for slaves and does slave stuff and sells slaves and then finds... A random alien in a ship that works in a service condition. For the Empire, the racist-ass Empire. And her first thought isn't, oh, I'm so sorry you were being forced to do this. It is, how dare you? Yeah. But anyway, thankfully it doesn't devolve into a fight or anything. And Greg the Viewbug, who again is like 18 feet tall and is a giant monster, uh, is like, okay, well I will definitely help you prepare food for these children and those children, and it's because it pleases me to do so, because I am now a free viewbug. Yay. I can do as I please. Yeah, so that's, they just have a fun little conversation. Meanwhile, Riao is actually trying to get shit done. Yeah. Like, she's like, okay, I figured out how to fly this thing. <laughs> I, I, I figured out how to get the fucking hyperdrive working, and we're gonna go chase after uh, Hethrier and go to the Cersei station, which is also known as Whatever the fuck, asylum, asylum station. station. Which uh. they give them, a, they give a reason. It's because asylum station was the original name of it back when the empire owned it, and that they used it as a medical experimental testing facility. Yeah, but it fucking doesn't matter this point in the book. I know. I, I'm just saying there's there's actually a reason for it, and I think it does tie in later because I'm pretty sure that Hethrier's crazy experiments are what summoned that fucking you know, gold shield stress ball of goop into, into existence in the first place. Probably. Waru's probably a mistake. <laughs> I'm, oh, you well, know what? Waru is definitely a mistake. Waru is definitely a mistake. No <laughs> one wanted Waru. No. <laughs> Waru, you were, you were a crazy night that me and your dad had. <laughs> Waru, I'm sorry you had to live this way. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I, I'm not 
completely down with Riao's plan to just fly this this whole planet to Cersei Station. Yeah, that is that's where my concerns came in. Aren't, haven't we already established that Cersei Station is a no go zone because of all the radiation? Yeah, and that you can only survive on Cersei Station itself because they have dedicated radiation shield domes. Yeah, I mean, the fucking Millennium Falcon showing up had had enhanced radiation shielding as preparation before going there, and even they were like, oh, we're getting fucking fried out here. Yeah, we can't be here, and we're going to have to pay for extra shields when we land. And these guys are like, oh, let's just fly a planet in there and see what happens to it. (laughs) Let's just see what happens when you fly a planet near a weird black hole slash crystal star. Yeah, we're going to find out what happens when you stop keeping your planet in a normal space zone and start getting real. And my other question is, this planet has its own sun. Mm Mm-hmm. What happens when you go into hyperspace with a fucking sun? I, I guess it just comes with you. Like, how do, how do you propel a planet and keep the sun with you? Oh, it's connected by a rope. Oh, good. It's like a fucking tetherball. <laughs> it's, it's on a trailer hitch. <laughs> don't worry, John. That sun has, has uh, brake lights and turn indicators. Oh, don't you worry. <laughs> the sun on this thing is basically a skip it. So, <laughs> so there's a counter on that planet. <laughs> yeah, that's the greatest thing of all. <laughs> oh, good. You also remember the entire Skip It commercial. <laughs> How could I not? <laughs> so, Skip It at a jump and at a bop. bop. <laughs> I don't know how this works. It, it suggests that the sun also must have a mechanical core to it. Well, I know the sun also rises. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's literary. It's a stuff. literary reference. I get it. I hey. was I was immediately launching into more. They might be giants, and I was going to point out that an average sun is a mass of incandescent gas, but that this one is probably some kind of station. Like there's got to be a space. <laughs> okay, that's enough references. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone too deep. <laughs> the only way that this thing works is if there's some sort of mechanical interior to it that's just blasting out plasma that's making it act like a sun, so that it has maneuverability and the ability to either be towed or to tow the planet there's no way it can move around without those things the the sun circles the planet like it's not like the planet went oh yeah we shit out plasma and it works like a sun they have a thing that orbits the planet so they so first of all they made a geocentric orbit system yeah as opposed to a heliocentric like most of them so this is a little tiny sun that orbits the planet i don't maybe it really is just connected with like a chain you know, there's some chain that's on a track around the middle of the planet. I, I imagine there's some, like, Star Wars graviton beam that shoots between this and the star. No, there's there's just a little train track that goes all the way around the planet with a big chain coming off it that connects to the sun. And every 50 feet, there's a sign that says, please do not go to the sun. Yeah. <laughs> and then Sir Topham Hat is like, Thomas, I need you to go to the sun. <laughs> But I don't wish to go to the sun. I wish to work for my own industry and, and uh, profits. Then you shall be walled up, never to be seen again. Oh, no. Such is the fate of all who betray me. So dare I, ye defy Sir Topham Hat? <laughs> Sir Topham Hat is ready for the vacuum of power that's going to be caused when Hethrew leaves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Empire Reborn Reborn. Uh, with trains. <laughs> with trains this time. <laughs> so, anyway, I don't know how the sun works. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know how any of this works. <laughs> it made more sense when it didn't have a sun. If it just had to fly into orbits around regular suns and would just stay there. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the Death Star of being like, oh, what's this? It's a moon-sized station, but it can still, like get places you can fly to alderaan i'm like well, it's that's fine the thing about the it's more of a moon it's encased it's a moon shaped spaceship is what it is because yeah. it's got an atmosphere on the inside you can stay in there no it's an encased thing you could just shoot it through hyperspace and it's fine yeah this this little tiny thing needs its own sun because otherwise you just die of cold on the outside of it and it has an atmosphere and gravity, like enough gravity. That, you know, no one's like, man, it's weird. I will comment upon the fact that I'm, like, bouncing around. So it's got Earth-level gravity. Yeah, it's got regular gravity and atmosphere, decent temperatures, and its own sun. And it doesn't... And it has different climates. It's not, like, one tiny thing where, like, oh, yeah, it's just desert up there because who cares? I Yeah, it doesn't make it... It's fun to talk about because it's just, well, someone didn't want to finish the science on this project. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the fact that they built a sun is really, like I was saying, it's burying the lead. That's the interesting part. 
Yeah, I don't. You guys built a little mobile sun? You can fuck up so much shit with that. <laughs> the mechanics of how this thing works are mind-boggling. I'm going to go ahead and say, for the bonus content this week, I tried to find any information on how this actually works oh, and could not. I've looked up the WorldCraft on Wikipedia like three times trying to get good good story material out of it and failed every time. All you get is this crazy story about some guy named like Devious who had two more world ships and he put a bunch of plastic over one of them so it could be a fake Just Death so Star. so that the dog could get on it well, he pretended without it. ruining the upholstery. <laughs> I'm keeping the value of this one high <laughs> for resale purposes. It's in a Mylar bag. Ooh, I've got this one rated and sealed. <laughs> No, he put a bunch of fake plastic Death Star parts all over it so it looked like a Death Star so he could he could uh, threaten people with it. Yeah, great. Whatever. <laughs> sure. Uh. Did it come with a little sun? Because I think people might notice if the Death Star had a little sun orbiting yeah. it. Yeah, Death Star shows up and is like, wee, little sun. <laughs> What's that about? Anyway, uh, yeah, the world, there's not enough information about Worldcraft because there's only three of them that have ever been built and two of them are from some comic book and then there's this one. Yeah. I, I'm very confused. I have a lot of questions, and the book answers none. Yeah. Well, the end result is that Leia basically spends a lot of time kind of making these kids feel okay and getting them, like, good beds and good food and everything. Also, Chewbacca's down there, and the kids fucking love him. And Leia's like, oh, it's so weird. Children always seem to take to Chewbacca. And I'm like, yeah, he's a giant fur man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's you basically put a corgi in charge of children. Of course they're going to love him. He's a good big fur dude, and he's a dad. I yeah. mean, of course, he's been a dad for longer than you've been alive, Leia. He's <laughs> he's good at it, and I, I feel like you should know this already because he's literally your kid's nanny. <laughs> oh, why do kids like Chewbacca? Why do my kids like... Oh, right, my kids like Chewbacca. I forgot. Oh, shit, my kids. <laughs> it's so dumb. But yeah, of course kids love Chewbacca. Who doesn't love Chewbacca besides Leia? <laughs> Everyone in the world loves Chewbacca. True. Not me. Everyone in the world who counts loves Chewbacca. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> so, now we do have to briefly check in with some of the other characters in this story at this point. Yeah, we uh, get uh, Tigris, a brief aside where Tigris is sleeping outside of Hethrier's door. Yeah. But, oh, he hears sad Anakin. Yeah, he hears sad Anakin. So, he hears little sad Anakin and he, and he thinks to himself, basically he kind of goes bad genie and is like, well, let's think about what Hethrier told me and if I can work around it. He said, I may sleep outside his door. He did not say I have to. Ooh. I can I can go take care of that kid and then come back later. Sure. So he heads off to go find Anakin and gives him a bunch of food and drinks and things. He's like, here you go. Have some food. Have some fruit and some bread and some milk. And then Anakin, because he's three, starts trying to feed Tigris food. He's like, here, you have supper. You have bread. And then he's like, I don't, I can't. I have not been told that I can eat. I will not eat. This is for you to eat. And then Anakin, who I guess briefly is the Hulk, says, Anakin want cookie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. I, that was a weird moment. I feel like he had. I'm fine if a kid randomly is like, I want a cookie. Mm -hmm. Sure. This seems like a weird scenario where a kid would be like, I've been abused and. Now, finally, someone is giving me something to eat, and now I'm going to yell out that I want a cookie. Mm -hmm. But whatever. That's fine. He's three. He's an idiot. It's great. It's just the syntax that got me. <laughs> yeah. However, I don't know any three-year-olds that have ever referred to themselves in the third person. And by their full name. Anakin want cookie. Like, if he was like Annie want cookie, I'd almost be okay with it. Maybe. I mean, granted, I've never liked that Annie is the short for Anakin. <laughs> it should be Nick. Yeah, it should be Nick. And Nickin. It should be, it should be Nick. Or, or uh, Knack. Or Kin. Yeah, one of those. Or just Ann. <laughs> or just A. <laughs> or, just, or just Anakin. Just go with Anakin. <laughs> but Anakin want cookie is, is such a weird thing for him to suddenly announce. <laughs> I like to imagine he just two fists slam on table. Anakin want cookie. <laughs> just eats it like Cookie Monster. Oh, man. But but basically, he eats food for a little bit, and then Hethrier finds them. Oh, what are we having here? A picnic? Mm. Okay, well, let's get started on punishment, shall we? Uh, Tigris, you have been rejected as my servant, and you may no longer sleep across my door. Hmm. Mm. Hmm. Yes. Uh, and then Anakin. Uh, nothing. Goodbye. Uh, good day. Mm -hmm. And he stomps off, and Anakin, or, uh, Tigris feels real bad for himself. <laughs> Tigris is real sad that now he gets to sleep on an actual bed instead of in front of a door. <laughs> 
oh, but I was so good at curling up in front of it and constantly meowing through it to see if I could get him to let me in. <laughs> and then once he did, I just wanted to get out again. <laughs> meow. Meow. Well, that is Ferrario for you. Hey. That's, that's some Ferrario. They always want to get out when you let them in a room. <laughs> that's them. <laughs> I don't know why I keep associating them with cat people. I don't know. It's uh, weird because the they're art, not. Maybe the art is a little catly. Although uh, the picture of Hathrier that's on the internet is basically just like a dude with weird hair. Yeah, that's all I'm imagining is. Yeah. For me, Ferrari are just like, hey, it's a guy with multicolor hair. Uh, that's yeah, it. Ba- uh, maybe slightly bigger than human. Whoopity do. We. All right. We also briefly check in with uh, them on the ground because once they land, the three of them, along with all the proctors and stuff, are walking through the. They, they've made it to Cersei Station. Yeah. And they're striding through that same crowd that Luke and Han did way back in the first couple of chapters. Yeah, where all those, you know, Brevishems are quivering and whatnot are. Ghostlings are seeking that human D. You know, that kind of stuff. That stuff. There's crab monsters driving taxis and and just spidery limbs selling stuff from behind bars. Yeah, spiders akimbo. Yeah, just crazy shit happening. Uh, And then they're striding through all this when uh, Tigris and Anakin happen upon a sweetmeat vendor. The sweetmeat vendor... Anakin reaches out for it, and mm-hmm. of course, the sweetmeat vendor's like, oh ho, little one, you need to pay first. You need to pay me. And he's, he spirals his arm backwards, it says. I'm really curious about what this thing is. Yeah, I, we, don't, we don't get told what the actual species is. Maybe the species is sweetmeat vendor. Uh, but, but, <laughs> yeah, it's a sweetmeat vendor. It's not, he's selling carburetors, though. <laughs> it's not so much what I'm excited about learning what his, the name of his species is. I just want to know where he falls on the Vonda McIntyre scale of aliens. Is, is it a alien from the original series, a fuckable alien, or a gross wet heap? Well, we didn't get the name of the alien, so it's not from the original series. Yeah, that's correct. And he wasn't described as impossibly beautiful, so I am assuming some kind of weird tentacle beast. Yeah, he's probably a trash heap. So there we go. I just wanted to know which one of the three, and I think we've solved it. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, fucking, he doesn't take no for an answer he here. chases Tigris. Just to call him dumb. He's like, come on, man. What? Just it's the cheapest money you got. Like not even, not even a lot. Just what's the smallest coin you have? Well, I'll take it. Because Ty- he's like, you must pay first. And Anakin's like, Tigris pay. You know, because Anakin's a dumb shit. Uh, and Tigris is like, oh no, I have never had any money and do not know money from money. I do not know the concept of payment. This is this is nonsensical to me. I only think of money in terms of the times where random imperial dudes come to our our, our planet and maybe Hethrier kills them. Yeah, That's- I know that Hethrier seems to be obsessed with money, but I have no concept of what that is. Yeah, and the dude's like, well, you simply do not need an account to purchase a sweetmeat, only a single coin of the smallest value. And it's like, that doesn't, that's not going to help this guy. You should have marked this dude as a rube immediately and gone on to brighter prospects, dude. Dude, you found, like, a three-year-old and, like, a ten-year-old and decided, these are the people I need to harass. Yeah. So, <laughs> they Not get only that, al- but he fucking chases Tigris yeah. through the middle of an- another Vonda McIntyre uh, Wet goo pile. Yeah. So... Tigris gets pulled along uh, trying to chase after uh, Hethrir, and he accidentally runs between two giant tentacle heaps that are doing something with their, their tentacles. So he basically comes out the other side completely coated in slime. It's like he ran through a car wash uh, and, and basically pops out the other side. And then finally the sweetmeat vendor's like, ah, I see that you are a dumb shit. Good day, sir. <laughs> ah, I see that you're a big dumb asshole. Good day. Uh, I also followed you through the weird trash heap just so I could tell you this. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, an oaf! Normally, oafs die here. This is quite unusual. I shall tell my family that I saw an oaf in the market. <laughs> oh, how they will laugh and caper. <laughs> they shall quiver in heaps most gelatinously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm some sort of goo. I saw an oaf this day. <laughs> I saw an oaf come sailing in. <laughs> Kalu Kalei, an oaf today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, uh, let's see. We can go back real quick to the planet because... Riao is asking questions of the children, and we finally get to see how Riao interacts with people who aren't Princess Leia. Because the kids are like, oh, are you a, are you our mommy's friend? What's your name? And she actually does, like, the real he- uh, Ferrario greeting, where she's like, oh, I may tell you my name someday if I come to know you better. For now, you may call me Ferrario. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's, that's kind of cute. I like that. And then she's like, oh... Uh, Jaina, you remind me of Tigris. You look like him. And then she finally is like, oh, shit, Tigris has been here? Okay, time for me to go into serious mode. <laughs> All right, you little shits, where is he? Who the fuck saw Tigris? And they're like, ah, uh, he's mostly follows Hethrir around. 
he's mean, but it's like he's not really mean. He, he's mean, but mostly it's because he's being told to be mean, but he seems okay. He seems really up his own butt about wanting to wear very specific jumpsuits. <laughs> he's got a weird monologue he does about colors of clothes. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. All day, all day long, he just wanders around muttering about the rust-colored tunics of the helpers. <laughs> Uh, what is that shit? What do, you, do you know him? What's the deal? What's, what's that guy's shit? <laughs> so, and then she's like, well, how do you know his name? Did he tell you his name? And they're like, no, Heth Rear told us his name. And I was like, the fuck you remember that? Yeah. I, <laughs> as a kid, I'd be like, did he tell you his name? Huh, probably. I don't know. His name's Tigress. What do you want? What, what, what? I, all I know is his name is Tigress. Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, that was. I, I learned his name the day I got kidnapped. You want me to remember the conversation? I do not. <laughs> I was kidnapped and then told that my family was dead. I don't quite remember the order of introductions. <laughs> Instead of well, all that happening, what happens is Jaina goes, No, Heth Rear told us his name. And Rial goes, Ooh, Heth Rear. Ooh, that Heth Rear. Oh, oh I how hate I hate him. <laughs> I. I hates me that Hethrier. Here comes Hethrier. Good old Hethrier. Oh, how I hate him. That wascally Ferrario. Uh, so she's super mad because Hethrier's going around telling everyone Tigress's name, which is the worst thing you can do to a Ferrario. The worst. Uh, so that that happens. Then uh, Anakin notices someone in the hotel that they stay at that he recognizes. Yeah, off in the distance, someone's being a sassy asshole. <laughs> it's his old friend, Mr. Threep. Oh, Mr. Threep. Mr. Threep. <laughs> Mr. Threep. Mr. Threep. Mr. T-H-R-E-E-P. That sure spells Threep. <laughs> uh... The references are getting more obscure the longer we do this. <laughs> what? You mean Robin in the Seven Hoods, a a, uh, a Frank Sinatra movie about like bootlegging or something, is not extremely well-known common knowledge? That's not a thing that people listening to a Star Wars podcast would know offhand? Fine. My goodness. Anyway, 3PO recognizes Anakin, uh, even though, you know, and Anakin recognizes 3PO, even though 3PO is purple, which really... When you get down to it with C-3PO units is the only thing you need to, t to notice is what color they are. Because we've seen identical C-3PO's before in the movies. Yeah. Like in the actual films, you encounter another identical C-3PO, but he's silver. Mm-hmm. But he's like, Mr. Threep. And then, you know, 3PO comes walking over and he's like, ah, Master Anakin, where is anyone I would know? <laughs> what the hell are you doing here? Oh, my. And he's, 3PO is busy engaged in a fight with another droid who is attempting to evict Han and Luke. Yeah. How dare you? We will pay you shortly. Yes. Oh, our, mo our money will arrive in a mere hour or two. Oh, you know I'm good for it. <laughs> come on. Oh, please, don't be like this. Oh, come on. Follow me into an alley, droid. I'm, I'm fluent in six million forms of mollification. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, instead, what happens is Hethrier spends a couple of minutes trying to convince 3PO to fuck off. He's like, no, this... This isn't uh, the person you know. This ain't the human you're looking for, droid. Move along. Yeah, this uh, this isn't Anakin. It's someone else. And then Tigress is immediately like, yeah, now let's go, Anakin. <laughs> Come on, Anakin. We're telling this droid you're not Anakin. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> but 3PO isn't having it, so Heth Rear chops him in half with a lightsaber. Which, I gotta say, that's been the most surprising thing to happen so far in this book, is Heth Rear straight, like, toe-to-tip slices in half. Yeah, but it's, it's just 3PO. You know he's going to get put back together. Well, at least when 3PO got torn apart before, it was like, oh, his arm got pulled out of the socket or something like that. Mm -hmm. But this is like the middle of his head got sliced in half. <laughs> nah, shit. Now he's going to grow into two C-3PO's. That's how they do it with droids. <laughs> yeah, that's how droids do it. That's how educated am, fleas do it. I am C-3PO, human-cyborg relations. I am C-3PO, human-cyborg relations. Oh, my. Oh, my. Ooh. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Shall we duck behind the alley for some six million forms of mollification? <laughs> oh, I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> oh, R2, you bucket of... Wait, did you just call me R2? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the roleplay now. <laughs> Old habits die hard. <laughs> I'll show you something that dies hard. Oh, my. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> that's the sex bit. All right, then Hethrier drags Anakin off, and that's the end of them. Uh, then we cut back briefly to the planet again so we could do some more Riao and Blea business. 
and and we're discussing their plan at this point. They don't have time to take all these various kids home to various slave ships. Yeah, they're just gonna go ahead and park a planet next to the most radioactive thing ever and just leave children here <laughs> to bask in it. Yeah, don't worry, kids. We're gonna. I, I don't understand this. Like, I guess the fear is that they can't leave the, the planet where it is because uh, you know Hethrier might Someone come, will come back. back for it. Yeah, what they really ought to do is just fly it anywhere. You know, like just fly it like a light year over to the well, left. Well, mostly there. Oh, if we like take all these kids and fly somewhere and drop all of them off, we'll be losing time. That's true. But all they need to do is hide the planet. They don't need to actually move it to where they're going. Because Hethrier knows where it is right now. But if you were like, ah, let's go one light year north. There we go. Park the ship. D- the planet. Hey, Done. Did, did you know? Once again, space. There's just full 360 degree. You could go wherever you want. You could do anything you want. I could go north. I could go north Wittershins. I could, I could fly off in this direction I'm or flying. that direction. Look, look, just spin the top side leftwise, and you can do that because it's space. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Space you, ain't got no left or right, or at least fly it to a couple light years out from Cersei Station and then head in in your ship, so you're not losing time. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a fear that maybe he's got tracking equipment on it, so he always knows where it is. But in that case, they're warning him they're coming. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the plan is here. Yeah, the plan is to take the entire world ship to Cersei Station. Why? All right. Fucking why? So Riau strides off to go access the controls, which I guess luckily on this giant planet thingy are, you know, pretty close. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Nah. And uh, then Leia spends some time mollifying all the children who are in beds. And she's talking to all these nice kids in bed and telling them how they're definitely going to get to go home real soon and not to worry about it. Yeah. And then they jump to hyperspace. And they go, yeah, when they jump to hyperspace. Because <laughs> it's caught on You'd now. imagine. It's, it's a thing. It, it's, it's become a thing. You, you'd think somewhere in the cockpit of this planet, Riau is going, yeah. <laughs> now, things that we didn't discuss on this in this chapter that did happen. Uh, there's some more business with the cute little bat. Yeah, well, the bat's still around. Uh, and there's a lot more business with Mistress Dragon. Uh, she ends up chasing all the, hel- the proctors all the way back to the base, where Leia's like, uh, there's a scene where Leia's talking to them and using the dragon to threaten the proctors, and then she has to stop for a second and go, wait, I shouldn't be doing this. I have no way of stopping that dragon if it wants to eat these children. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, Leia, you definitely shouldn't threaten people with, a, with an animal you don't control. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bad idea. <laughs> Your plans are lacking. <laughs> I like it in that case. She at least has a little bit of self-awareness. But we have to get to the end of the chapter, which is... Uh, where Leia finally reveals who she is to Riau. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I guess you, I, I can stop pretending to be Lila now. I am Princess Leia, uh, the, the princess of Alderaan. And and Lelila, or Riau drops to a knee and goes, I should have recognized you. Princess Leia, destroyer of, of the Empire and, and, and uh, survivor of Alderaan, I pledge my service undying to you. Why? You know what? You've been hanging out with her for a day and a half now. You know she's a dummy. Like, seriously. Also, this just really puts paid to the whole, I, I can't tell anyone I'm Leia. That would be bad for nebulous reasons. I'm like, really? Because you're a big damn hero. You, like, most people that aren't villains are going to be like, sweet, that's great. So either you will immediately know they're villains or get someone to actually follow you. Because if you're like... I'm some dumb shit you've never heard of, and I'm a bounty hunter. They're going to go, great, well, fuck off. I've got things to do. <laughs> Here's the thing that bothers me about this, or that bothers me. This is this is my take on this. This is some straight sarcasm. <laughs> this oh, is- my liege. Oh, Princess Leia. I could never have known. Oh, your acting skills are bar, bar none the best I've ever seen. <laughs> You put Alex Guinness to the lie. <laughs> I pledge to you my service on dying. That's <laughs> this isn't <laughs> sarcasm. It's a speech impediment. This is the way all Ferrario talk. You don't know. All Ferrario always sounds sarcastic, but we actually don't have the concept in our cultural history. <laughs> Uh, that's that's what I think it is because she picked it up the moment someone said Mr. Chewbacca. She's yeah. like, oh, that's definitely Princess Leia, just who I figured it was the entire time. Also, God, can we talk about how silly it is that fucking Heth Rear and Riau were the two uh, apprentices of Darth Vader? Yeah, that makes 
perfect sense for what we know of the Empire and Darth Vader that he'd be like, oh, I found some Force-sensitive weird-ass aliens and decided, yeah, these will be my secret apprentices. We, we get a big talk in this chapter about the history of Riau and Hethrier. And Hethrier was a much more severe and, and dangerous Jedi uh, who was like, super into the dark side, and he killed his own planet and stole a big pile of slaves because he believed that if he did so, uh, Darth Vader would declare him legally human. Yeah. Also, legally human, great movie, Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon, legally human, uh, but morally not human. <laughs> morally inhuman. <laughs> also, the notion that they were his two sole apprentices, there is no way that's true. Even by this point, the whole person that vader was secretly training position had to have been taken several times already in the comics and the books everywhere well the even the idea that he would be like oh yeah i have secret apprentices but the ones i'm going to make like my my right hand man and and woman these two these two shall be the ones who carry on my legacy a mated pair of random tiger people from a planet no one likes or has ever heard of <laughs> yeah i mean Especially given that apparently Riau, her whole thing was, she's like, oh, I do healing. Yeah, like, she's a natural healer. My Jedi powers are all based on healing people. Mm -hmm. Okay, because at one point the children are freaked out and can't remember anything and are scared to use their powers. Yeah. They're like, oh, we can't talk to each other in italics, talk to each other. Because of the, the force blanket thing that Hethrir had been doing to yeah, him. Yeah, because Hethrir will stop us and we're so worried about it. And yeah. so not only... Is Rial able to use force powers to physically heal people? She's like, and now you don't have fear anymore. Uh huh. The other, we also learned during this chapter that uh, Hethrier has not been stealing Tigress's Jedi power away. Tigress just isn't a Jedi. Yeah. Rial's no like, oh yeah, Tigress got born and had nothing. The only reason they wanted the two of us to get together and mate is because we were both powerful in the force and they thought, oh, their kid will be randomly awesome in the force. But no, no. he's just. A kid. And she has to talk about how she's like, well, he could be a great scientist or a diplomat or perhaps a, a government leader of some kind. And I'm like, nah, I've, I've met I've met Tigress. No, everyone's met Tigress at this point. He could be a great sycophant. He could be a pretty good cashier, maybe. <laughs> I, probably. A, I bet he'd make an excellent paralegal. Um, I'm pretty sure that telemarketer, great at it. He'll be one of the best telemarketers. His conversion rate on people who, are, who have asked not to be called again... Over 7%. It's amazing. It's, it's, he's a luminary in the field. Unheard of. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> So we learned that he's not a Jedi. We also learned that, that uh, Tigris and Riau were hiding on some planet from the Emperor and uh, Darth Vader for five years after he learned that she was kind of a healer and was not able to touch the dark side. Which is weird because based on our last book, the first thing we learned about Vader is Vader really wants to get healed. Yeah, you'd think he'd be like, well, you don't do dark side stuff, but your whole thing is healing people. Mm-hmm. How about you do that? <laughs> yeah. How about some of that on my big burned ass? You know, my literal burned ass. <laughs> that teaches me not to fight from the low ground. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, that's that's the story of the actual story of Riau and Hethrier. Uh, Hethrier's big betrayal where he became the procurator of justice is that he killed off all of his own people in an attempt to be legally declared a human, which uh, did not happen, but he did get his cool new title. Yeah, and then that's also where we learn that Riau has been tortured in that little chamber for five years, which and that makes zero sense. And that Tigress has shown up during those five years of torture to insult her personally. Like, be like, oh, it's, it's your fault I don't have... Force powers, you're horrible. Yeah, Arr. you're a terrible mom. So so all these things have happened to her. Anyway, that's uh that's chapter ten. That is that chapter. It's kind of a downer chapter, and there's no Waru in it, and there's no Han and Luke in it. No, we barely get three PO in there. It's pretty much just the final convergence of the Leia and uh Jaina Jason storylines. Yeah, yeah, which is good because that means no more storylines that are straight up child play stuff. Yeah, that that that's over now. We we don't have any more episodes where eleven year olds are chasing five year olds. <laughs> Good. <laughs> no more a Christmas story in this book, please and thank you. Yay! All right. <laughs> no longer those powder blue tunics of Scut Farkas. <laughs>
or even the rust-colored tunic of that weird little dude who hung around near him. <laughs> I'm sure someone knows that character's name. I don't. Who knows Scott Farkas's weird toady's name? Yeah, he had like a little homunculus kid who followed him around. <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, uh, so tune in next week for chapter 11. Who knows what's going to be going on there? I bet a bunch of Han and Luke stuff, though. I'm really hope We are very close to done. So close to done. And I'm like, you've given me nothing on Waru. You have buried this shit so far into this no, book. Waru is way less important than you think he is if you read this book 20 years ago and you're just coming back to it. Because Waru is kind of the big set piece. It's like, oh, it's a gross giant monster made out of shields. What a crazy thing. And then you're like, oh, he's... He's really more like the Marcellus Wallace's suitcase of this book. Ah, like, he has no agency. He's just an important thing on a planet somewhere. Uh, it's real sad. Yeah. Because you could have made just a book on, like, the adventures on Cersei Station with a mixed-in Hethrier, Tigris, Empire, New Reborn, like, nonsense, mm -hmm. and had a decent thing. But man, all of this Leia shit can just go take a running jump. Yeah, I'm really leaning towards picking a book next time that is guaranteed zero Leia. <laughs> I mean, give me either zero or, or make it something decent. Or make it Leia who is anything like the movie Leia, who is the coolest character in the history of movies. I mean, at this point, if I was reading a book with Leia in it, and she was mildly competent i'd be like holy shit i mean people have i've had people ask me that question of uh i'll ask you the question now john uh ripley or sarah connor uh in what context who ba wins in a fight who's yes. better badassitude who's more badass ripley or sarah connor uh is it sarah connor or sarah connor's sarah connor okay connor good i had it right good go ahead yeah uh i mean do we get to pick which movie because if we're going at their best i mean if we're going first movies both like alien and terminator then obviously ripley wins it uh, we'll say at if we're their... gonna go aliens versus terminator 2 no we're going with uh alien resurrection versus terminator genesis <laughs> oh good so i'm gonna go ahead and say no it's at their personal best at their personal best i feel like i would give it to sarah connor you're a sarah connor guy yeah. I've been asked this question point blank, and my answer was Princess Leia. <laughs> and then I just died on that hill. <laughs> and then I just died. I think Princess Leia is cooler and more badass than both Sarah Connor and Ripley. Meh. Meh. Uh, I mean, Ripley, I don't even know her first name. Ellen? Yeah. Good, okay. You do. I do know her first name. Good. Colleen? <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> Francis? I think it's Francis. It's also Ripley. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, anyway, uh, I want either a good Princess Leia or no Princess Leia. Yeah. One of those for That's our next That's all I book. want. That's all I want. Uh, and there you have it. That was chapter 10. Now, folks, if you haven't had enough of this yet, and Lord knows I have, uh, you can still tune in for more Star Wars discussion this very week because we have bonus content now. Why, it's this very day. <laughs> you haven't missed it. Yeah, you still have time. In fact, we haven't even recorded it yet. There's time enough at last. <laughs> the bonus content for the Expounded Universe episodes is special. John and I each look up a topic of interest to us from this chapter, or not, it's our choice, uh, from the mighty world of Wikipedia. Uh, a, a wonderful place that you should definitely visit, but then not tell us about because we don't want to steal your jokes. <laughs> uh, uh, and then we tell those stories to each other and to you in each one of the bonus episodes. Usually short stories. They're bonus episodes. What do you want? Now, to get access to these great new content chunks, all you have to do is support our overall Patreon at a $2 per episode level. That's patreon.com slash systemmastery. Yep, and that is... The per episode is technically for System Mastery. It's Basically, what confusing. it boils down to is you're pretty much paying a dollar per episode. Here's, here's the best way to look at it. You're paying $4 a month for most months. Some months, you might pay 6 Maybe. Twice a year, you will pay $6 a month instead of 4 Goodness gracious. It's the most horrifying numbers. <laughs> so for $4 a month, you get four bonus content episodes, plus two other bonus content episodes for a whole different show that also stars us and sounds exactly the same. Exactly. <laughs> That's our System Mastery bonus content. You get six episodes of bonus content for $4 a month. Yeah. You get all the content we put out. You get the system mastery. You get the expounded universe. I'm you get you the movie mastery. You get 
the bonus content for System Master. You get the bonus content for Expounded and Universe. You get the Ginsu Knives. And I'll tell you what, right now, if you order within the next 15 minutes, and I can't do this for everybody, only for the people who pledge to our Patreon in the next 15 minutes, I'm going to send you two sets of the Ginsu Knives. Two sets, my God. That is a $15.99 value free. Now, you saw earlier in the episode... All the detail, all the fine work on these Ginsu knives, they fell through those tomatoes. Just absolutely like air. If, uh, you got all those tin cans in your house. They haven't been cut in half yet. These Ginsu knives will cut those tin cans in half. No resistance, no difficulty, won't even bend the can. Did you want to stab a penny? These knives. These knives. My fucking heart is exploding, these knives. <laughs> these knives. Go on while <laughs> I close my eyes. <laughs> All yours for only $2 a month. No Ginsu knives will be sold to you or, sell, or, or sent to you. We don't have those. <laughs> no. Nah. I, I mean, I kind of wish I did. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. I have a couple of really good knives, but I'm not sending them to people. I need them to cut chicken with. <laughs> I need to cut chicken. <laughs> so uh, so there you have it. That's the bonus content once again at patreon.com slash systemmastery. You can follow us there. You can get our RSS feed that has all the bonus content episodes in it. Uh, that's a great way to hear all the System Mastery goodness. Otherwise, find us at our podcast's website, systemmasterypodcast.com, or systemmastery at Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, or Reddit. And until next time, John, you got anything else? I'm Elan Sleesbegato, and I love Death Sticks. Death Sticks.